station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Burning issue on Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM. Assalamu alaikum and a very good evening to you. It's a beautiful Tuesday evening. It is, of course, uh, the 17th of December 2019, corresponding to the 21st of Rabbi Othani 1440. Of course, after Maghrib, it is a new day, so we just needed to remind you about that. My name is Gulam Fakir and I'm with you all the way until 9 o'clock this evening. I'll be all over your wireless. I wanted to sit a little bit closer. I've got um, a very good uh, topic that we need to speak about this evening, inshallah. Of course, we're talking about the Hajj and Umrah industry when it comes to this time of the year. A lot of people goes on Umrah, mashallah, you know, and then there are also a lot of issues that comes with that to some, not to many. Um, a little bit of that. And those are the things that we'll be talking about this evening. Rashad Jacobs on the other side of the glass this evening, controlling the show all the way until nine o'clock. Now, despite its challenges here and there, the Hajj industry has really improved over the years. And uh, Hajj is... Uh, of course, uh, for the most managed well, uh, the problems are ever persist in the Umrah industry. So have you experienced anything of the sort? I'm going to be introducing my guest very shortly. Um, uh, no stranger to the airwaves of the Voice of the Cape. But I also want to remind you that my lines will be open for the duration of the program on 021-442-2530. That's 021-442-3530. And of course, the easiest way for you to get in touch with me is also via our WhatsApp line, 072-238-0712. That's my WhatsApp line, 072-238-0712. And of course, uh, here in the, there's also people that doesn't do WhatsApps, but they do SMSs, 47913. To unpack all of the industry, um, you know, do's and don'ts, you know, everything else. Of course, we are also using just one of the interviews that Sambira did as, as a base for you, just to understand where this is coming from. I'm joined in studio by Sadiq Stienkam from uh, Satawa. Assalamu alaikum, Sadiq. Alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh and to the listeners as well. And also a little bit later I'm going to get online um, Shaheen Esop who's the chairperson of the South African Hajj and Umrah Council and between all of us we're going to tackle this issue inshallah and all you need to do is to listen out and if, there, if you have any questions you're welcome to um, of course just comment, message me that's all you have to do and as we go along we squeeze those questions in as we go along we're going to take your calls inshallah zero double one five it's been lovely having you on board as well you're saying you've been um, waiting with bated breath the whole day for this program you've even been sleeping next to the radio alhamdulillah talking about the loyal listener there love it zero double or zero double one five absolutely appreciate that From Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Burning issue on Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM, 12 minutes after the hour of 7 o'clock. Now, despite its challenges here and there, the Hajj industry has really improved over the years and Hajj is, um, for the most, managed well. Now, the problems, however, persist in the Umrah industry. Now, come December, like I've mentioned earlier, when Umrah travel picks up in South Africa, every so often we are sometimes confronted with serious issues with certain operators. Now, recently on air and all over Facebook and, you know, the wires and everything else that went with it, our news team has been covering the 
the story of New Heights Travel, an, uh, an Umrah operator, which owes more than 4 million rand to Minimart Amirin, most of whom were meant to travel in September already this year. The trips were cancelled by the operator, Fazila Malik, due to changes in the visa system. Now, these pilgrims are now taking legal action now, just to sort of set the tone, just to create some sort of context and to set the base of this of, of the program. Not necessarily going to be concentrating on uh, Fazila Malik as it stands. We're going to look at the entire industry, the Umrah industry as it is. You know, the do's and don'ts, you know. And, um, well, I've got the best people um, in studio with me and also on the line and they'll be breaking that down for us. But just to sort of get you um, to set the tone for the program, take a listen to an interview um, that uh, Sabira Breakfast, uh, the breakfast of Sabira Esop did uh, with Fazila Malik. Now, firstly, I would like to say that how this, uh, the situation arose when prospective travellers paid for packages while, while travel and visa rules were in the midst of the change. What has transpired here was in this, in, uh, during the Hajj time, mm-hmm. we uh, uh, visited our Umrah agents and obviously visiting the ministry level and finding out what is going to be the new rules like we do every year. And they said, well, there's not going to be much of changes, etc. as normal as normal every year. And what happened was when the time when the Umrahs really opened up in, in September, they gave us a real surprise as far as A to Z changes that was all done and amended. And at that time, at the the time when I I, I charged the packages was from 17999 up to 19999. And at the time of the changes of the the visa changes was obviously a big difference of 7,000, 6,000 and 6,500. And I could not obviously fulfill the differences on there because due to the fact that there's compulsory changes that had to be done into 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 the System. So I gave the option of the of the uh, of the parties to either to cancel the trip or, or, or postpone the trip. I mean, to October, or I do a full refund. In the interim, when I said I'm going to do the inter, the, the refund, is this is the time it would take for the kingdom to refund? Where I in the initially gave them a 21 days, thinking that you know monies will obviously be refunded. But bearing in mind that monies from the kingdom cannot be refunded, but used utilized for the credit that is going to be in account for the hoteliers. Uh, up to now, I've made a lot of changes, a lot of arrangements to make and to get the funds getting to the hujjah. Because no, 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 this thing that I had at no point was there any intention to withhold any money is not due to me. All right. Now, Fazila, just help us understand, you know, when a prospective traveler is coming to you or comes to you, purchases a package, they're purchasing, you know, inclusive of visa flights accommodation. We understand that you pre-book the accommodation. What then becomes of the money for the visas as well as the flights why were you not able to refund that those particular amounts you know if not the entire amount to your travelers well you know i thought obviously the money that was paid on to the airline <coughs> that monies will be obviously refunded bearing in mind that saudi airlines these days when you give them a contract sign that they give you a contract sign once you do your blocks and you pay your deposits and you pay your monies in not failing to realize that obviously those seats are going to get empty your money gets forfeited 
I was a bit disappointed and I know I've lost some money also with the airlines part of it, which I have proofs of it, but I can utilize it with EDMs, which I can later use on blocks, etc. but obviously paying a penalty as well together with it. So there's money sitting there. We're looking at around 900 to uh, 850,000, between 850 to 900,000 of monies that are sitting with the airline as well. So obviously I've got to sit with them and obviously see on the, on the on, on, on departures of different dates of what is going to be available. As far as the visas are concerned, yes, visas were paid, which is, I mean, at that time we're talking of around 1,600 to 1,650, failing to realize now that the visas with the new system is a 4,000 that you have to pay A to Z. Now, you know, I'm concerned with regards to the flights um, in the sense that did you not know prior to booking those flights that something like this might transpire with Saudi Air? Nothing of that sort because we used this for many, many years and obviously we've always utilized our seats. Rather, we took more seats in our seasons, etc. But, but, but with this with this part of uh, new visas, every, everything took us back step. Everything took us back step. Okay, so let's get down to things. In terms of your communication with the so-called authorities, what has communication been like? What seems to be, you know, holding them back in terms of giving you the necessary um, refund that you require, especially when it comes to the hotels? Hotels will not give you, obviously, because of uh, the credit that's in there due to the new system that they have in the kingdom. Anybody, we were, we were not even told this, that, you know, we always had credit, but we always had like 30,000, 40,000 reals, but not in hundred thousands. So with the results, when I asked and they said, yes, we will give you, but the thing is that you must utilize the credit with the hotelier of sending in people, which I'm using at the moment to get the funds out. Or if they have to do, they have, we have to pay, they have to pay that to send us money. They don't want money to be laundry, uh, laundering out of Saudi Arabia. So, of course, the 20th of November has come and gone. You know, how are you hoping or planning to get the money back to those that have not traveled and have I've asked for their refunds? I've made alternatives. I haven't sat back because, as I said, you know, there was no intention of uh, no point at that time to keep uh, the uh, or any intention on withholding any monies due to obviously the Mutamirins. So I have made alternative arrangements and obviously that administration is taking a bit of, uh, of a time because it's not easy just to outlay some money, but I am busy with that. And that, of course, the voice of uh, VSU Breakfast presenter Sabra Esop speaking to Fazila Malik, who's been, you know, all over the news. For details on this and any other stories, you can, of course, get onto vocfm.co.za. Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. This is Burning Issue on The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM, 22 after 7 o'clock. And of course, just before the break, the voice of uh, Fazila Malik of New Heights Travel, uh, she explained uh, to VSC presenter Musabira um, Esop uh, what led to the current dispute between her and her clients. Now, this evening on Burning Issue, we asked the question, who holds defaulting travel Umrah operators accountable? And what is needed to seriously tighten the industry? We'd like to take your calls, of course, after Maghrib, now 0214 so keep it ready.
um, just uh, just after 8 o'clock or so, inshallah, we're going to be opening up the lines. Um, also, just to keep it quite short as well, so we can get in as many comments and questions and everything else that goes with it. And then, um, uh, well, to kick it off for us, we've got in studio uh, Sadiq Stiankam, the chairperson of the South African Travel Hajj Operators Association, that's SATOA. Um, and a little bit later, we'll also be speaking to Shaheen Esop from the South African Hajj and Umrah Council. We have invited SAMTA, the South African Muslim Travel Association, but they declined to come on um, on air this evening. SAMTA is the organization that Fazila Malik is a member of, and they confirmed to us that she has been suspended. But uh, would have loved to speak to them because, yeah, it's okay to suspend a member, but now, um, you know, what lead to the suspension? What's next, you know? Um, because people can, of course... Uh, According to some of the reports that came through, some can just establish other organizations, you know, and it could be the same person and register that organization, etc. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on around it. 072-238-0712, that's my WhatsApp line. And then uh, also you can SMS me on uh, 47913. Now, Sadiq, you obviously listened to uh, some of the comments that Fazila um, has been referring to, and I wanted to... Start, wanted to just get your take on the visa system that she ref, that she is referring to. How should this have been handled ideally? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil alamin. Salatu wassalamu ala ashrafin mursalin. Nabihina wa maulana Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa ashabi wa barik wa sallim wa ba'ata salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Let me first and foremost say that you know your first umrah of the new year is always uh, a very jittery one, uncertainty. And we've we've given many, lots of thought to the matter. Um, and it seems to us that when it comes to the first Umrah of the year, um, it would be prudent for people not to advertise early. And our Mu'atamirin or prospective Mu'atamirin should not put pressure on operators to provide packages and prices too early on because you find that there's lots of changes that comes through ministry always promulgates these changes after hajj discussions goes on but this year the changes within the umrah system had been fairly significant felix is significant from a point of view of where we've been in the past We've had the 2,000 real uh, repeat visa be, uh, fee repealed, alhamdulillah, by the ministry. But in place of that, they've almost trebled the, the amount of, 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 of money required for first-timers. So they made it up on that side. Mm. And yes, the, 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 the Umrah visa fee for first-timers has increased. I mean, we've had a program on VOC about two, three months ago with regards to changes coming through. Um, so my advice would be that given your first Umrah, uh, whether it's going to be in uh, in, in Safa, which normally with the first of Safa, the Umrah season opens, we've got to be a little bit more um, careful in terms of putting packages together. Mm. Now, with regards to that, I mean, and, and, and you spoke about the changes, you know, and being, it's, it's an unstable time, you know, to be able to book your Umrah and, and just to be patient, etc. And you spoke about, you know, this, the, the the visa cost and, and that, that has been waived, but how else they've made it up. What other changes have, have been made so significantly? Well, in terms of the the way the, the, the program runs, in terms of your Umrah, I mean, uh, the, the basic system remained in place. In other words, you have to book with an accredited, a licensed Umrah operator. Mm. And that's the first point that we always make to our uh, prospective Muat out there. Make sure uh, that you book with a company 
that is registered. That's the first thing that we always say to people because if you book with a company that is registered, you will have first-hand experience or first-hand information from the company as to changes coming through. If you book with a company that's not registered, of course, you, you leave yourself open for third-party and fourth-party information coming through. And, you know, things change from one to the other. And you run the risk of uh, the, uh, the client not perhaps getting the, the, the proper information. And that's always a risk. So first of all, we have to book with companies that are registered and we have to find out whether the company is registered. That is the first point we have to make. You mentioned registered quite often. Registered with who? Registered with the Ministry of Hajj and Umrah in, uh, in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. In other words, you are licensed as an external agent to sell Umrah uh, within uh, you know, the, 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 um, the, the Holy Lands. Mm. Okay, now let's look at, you know, when we look at the rules of, you know, for Umrah agents, if we look at those rules, you know, what should they be looking for in terms of the rules when booking in the kingdom? First of all, I think we need to understand two issues. We have got the South African rules and laws and regulations, and then you have got the regulations in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. In terms of the rules, in terms of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, A, you've got to be a registered, a licensed IATA agent. In other words, you've got to be a member of the International Association of Transport Agents. Now, as you know, uh, from where we come from, disadvantaged companies, people, Mm. not many of us have got this license because it was very onerous in the past to get this IATA license. So not many of us has got IATA license. So that's the first thing. Then secondly, this this registered external agent in in South Africa, for example, needs then to sign a contract with a registered agent in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And that agreement is then, call it consummated by the Ministry of Hajj. It's like a tripartite agreement that, that is in place. So in terms of the rules of the kingdom, you are authorized as an external agent if you have a contract of this nature. Right. Right. Okay, that um, makes a little bit more sense. So, so when what is it? And, and you touched on the uh, um, what's it? Iata, Iata. Yes. Iata. Um, you know, you, you basically spoke about when it is approved, etc. And Umrah agents. Now, in general, what should happen when there are refunds that are needed? I mean, if you look at, especially mass refunds. You know, refunds. If if every every situation, every every deal you do has got conditions and you've got to look at the terms and conditions. For example, if you are going to go to an airline and do a group booking, there will be terms and conditions and those terms and conditions will differ from airline to airline. Uh, Give an example. For example, uh, if you book with Saudi Arabian Airlines and you say you book 30 seats and you don't take up the 30 seats, they will charge you a penalty for those seats that you don't take up, right? For example, um, if you don't if you don't fly, they might um, totally, uh, you know, not not really pay any of the monies that that's paid over to you. Mm. Other airlines will say, fine, okay, if you cancel within a month, we will penalize you X amount. If you cancel within uh, fifteen days, X amount. In seven days, X amount. Etc. So yeah. every airline has got different rules and regulations, and in the amount of deposit that they would require. Mm. 
And for example, you know, they'll give you a deadline of when you have to pay, when you have to issue. And uh, yeah, if you don't meet those deadlines, there are financial implications for yeah. you. And, and I mean, somebody, in fact, uh, on the WhatsApp line from uh, 0264, and also just alluding to one of the points that I've also had uh, jotted down, you know, um, should Umrah operators not have an emergency fund to sort of mitigate against these sort of things? Well, not only Umrah, Umrah, it is any, any business, uh, I believe. Uh, you know, should should have enough reserves if, if anything of, of this nature happens. But remember, in 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 terms of the uh, the business that that we do, I mean, if, especially if you are going to take, you know, groups, uh, it's it's a risky business, and it, of course, it depends company to company how people uh, view their risk mm-hmm. and what sort of funds is required to have um, in reserve. Uh, even in life, things go wrong. Yeah. Um, I also just want to um, give you a breather quickly there, Mr. Stienkamp, and I know you said don't call me Mr. Stienkamp. Yeah, <laughs> so Dick, please. <laughs> um, at this point, I just want to also welcome um, online, uh, who was joining us on the discussion, Shaheen Isab, the chairperson of the South African Hajj and Umrah Council. Shaheen, assalamu alaikum. Shukran so much for joining us. I just want to tell the people also, they're asking when are the lines going to be opened. We're going to be opening the lines just after Maghrib, inshallah. Uh, but I know that we needed to get you in on uh, on the topic as well. Assalamu Alaikum, um, uh, Shaheen. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khairan to you, Gulam. And assalamu alaikum to Sadiq. Alaikum salam, Mr. President. Now, a couple of weeks ago, um, Shaheen Sauk issued a travel advisory after New Heights Travel did not meet the deadline to deliver uh, refunds to their clients. You know, and it's obviously been all over the news. What does Sauk make of the latest development, you know, regarding the fact that the clients are now pursuing legal action? Well, first of all, I'm actually not going to be commenting too much on that particular pro- process because, uh, you know, it is uh, um, going through legal action and um, as a result of which I think it's going to be best that we, uh, we leave it to the legal uh, teams to do. Uh, bottom line, unfortunately, is that um, when Sauk engaged with the affected operator, the operator couldn't give the necessary, uh, you know, guarantees or assurances. And... Saud did not only put that notice out for people to be cautious with New Heights travel, but Sadiq Stienkamp alluded to something a little bit earlier, that you only need to book or you should only book with accredited Umrah operators. Now, there are far too many operators in South Africa that are not accredited, that are fly-by-nights with all due respect. I call them fly-by-nights. They're going to love me. They're going to hate me. I call them fly-by-nights, because if you are an accredited operator, you put your money where your mouth is, IATA registered, guarantee with the Ministry of Hajj and Umrah, then you are not a fly-by-night operator. You are putting your money where your mouth is. But there's a, you know, there's a complex and a complicated problem that we find ourselves in, because in many cases, some of these accredited Umrah operators are naughty because they're processing visas on behalf of these non-accredited operators that are operating either from their back rooms or they're operating from their garages or they're operating from a little office where it's two men and a fax machine. We need to be clear that people will not be guaranteed anything from those particular structures because Saul does not regulate Umrah at this point in time. Five years ago, we've engaged with operators, SAMTA, as well as SATOA, to try and find a regulatory framework around it. Sadiq was party to that discussion. Sadiq was party to trying to put a white paper together so that we can find a middle ground in this whole you know, regulatory environment so that we do not find ourselves at the behest of a situation that is currently unfolding with the uh, you know, current situation uh, regarding New Heights travel and some of the claims that are made against that operator. 
We've yeah. had a situation like this. One second, okay. We've had a situation like this in the past, down in your neck of the world, where there was a, an operator. I can't remember the name, Sadiq. Can you please refresh my memory? No, I can't remember uh, which one you're referring to. It was uh, the Stakala matter. Oh yes, yes, that's right. Uh, right, um, there was also yeah. money staked. There was also money staken, and as a result of that, and there was another operating company as well. All I'm trying to get at here is that there is a regulatory framework. Let's step aside out of the uh, you know the Hajj and the Umrah industry. Let's look at every other industry <coughs> within the framework of where we are. You have a Mercedes Benz. You're not taking it to someone in the backyard to have that car repaired because you know there's no guarantee from a repair shop of that nature. You're going to go to an accredited Mercedes agent, whether it's a Mercedes agency, whether it's a Bosch-approved Mercedes agent, that is going to fix your car. Likewise, when you're going shopping, you're either going to shop at Woolworths, you're going to shop at Pick and Pay, you're going to shop at ShopRite, you're going to shop at Hyperama or 7-Eleven. But if you go to the corner shop around the corner, you may find an expired item. You may not find the correct item, and it's not regulated in that particular situation. So there has to be a regulatory framework around anything that is done. Siddiq alluded, you know, you asked a question about uh, reserve funds. By and large, if one looks at it, I'm going to use the same comparison, Gulam. ShopRite and Checkers and, uh, you know, Pick and Pay and Hyperama don't go out into the community and collect money from the community, stock their shelves up, and then tell the community, come and buy our goods on our shelf. They don't do that. They put their money out. That's what a company does. And as a result of a company doing that, one needs to understand that you need to have reserves. You need to have cash. If you don't have the right cash flows in place, then you are going to find yourself at a loss. You are going to find yourself, you know, um, scratching your head to take from Peter to pay Paul and finding yourself in a very deep hole. That is a major problem that we find ourselves with in this particular scenario. Mm. Now, Shaheen, and, and I know you've alluded to this earlier where you said that, you know, about five years ago, you guys were sitting around the, the table to see if there's a way to regulate it. And I think that is sort of one of the big questions at the moment for many Montamerino have been asking even, you know, here at the radio as to why South does not have effective powers in terms of regulating Umrah. Is it something that, uh, um, you know, where you can put the focus on a little bit more stronger? Oh, certainly. Um, Siddiq alluded to it very, very uh, lightly earlier on. So an IATA registered operator, which is known as a second party out in South Africa, uh, basically goes and decides that he or she wants to become an Umrah operator. So they basically make contact with party number one, which is the in-country operator in Saudi Arabia. The two of them come through a memorandum of understanding. They sign a memorandum of understanding. The necessary documentation is completed and verified and signed off by the Ministry of Hajj. Sauk is nowhere in this picture because Umrah is not regarded as a religious um, trip, if you want to call it that. It is more regarded as part of tourism and hence directly structured from within the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. We see it differently. We believe that that is not the case. It should not be the case because we are of the opinion that we have a role to play in this country. At this point in time, Saud only sees the back end of Umrah. And when we talk about the back end of Umrah is when a Mu'tamirin has a query or a complaint, then he or she brings that to Saud. We go and approach the operator and the operator says, but you have no jurisdiction here. You don't regulate Umrah, so how can you start asking me questions around Umrah? Mm. You get where I'm coming from. There is, there is reason why Sahuk must, must be party to the situation. I mean, a typical case in point is where operators 
have basically racked up debt in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And those operators and those hoteliers are now writing to Saudi and saying, help us get our money. But we were not party to your agreement. How can you ask me to help you to get our money? We're not your debt collector in this particular regard. The bottom line here is that if we, we know our accreditation process through Hajj, and alhamdulillah, over the years we, it's been refined together with the assistance and with the input of the travel fraternity, it's been refined and it's working. It's working very, very well, alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. Hence, the same replication needs to be done in Umrah in order to protect the Mu'tamirin. Right now, there isn't one Umrah operator that can show me that they give a contract to a person who comes and drops 25 or 30 grand with that, uh, with that operator for an Umrah package. Not one of them can tell me that. I'd like to see the first contract on my table tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. <laughs> no, <I> just, <laughs> sorry, I'm not laughing at you, Shane. I'm just laughing, just, you know, everything that's just going around. In fact, there's some, there's some uh, messages and stuff that came through. And, and, and those who, who know when I'm on air, I ask the questions that the people want to know. You know, obviously, there's duplicated mm. questions. I, I just married them all together and just stick it out. That's gone 20 minutes to the hour of eight. I want you to hold up on the line for me, Shane. I'm going to go for a break quickly. But... I want to leave you with a thought and to Mr. Stian come to, sorry, Sadiq, um, to think about this because somebody asked, uh, where's this message? Uh, it came from zero, zero 01, sorry, 1018 asked, what um, does Sauk, Samta, and Satawa have a good working relationship? The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. And of course, we've got exactly 10 minutes left, and I'm going to try and split it 5 5 between uh, Mr. Stinkham and Shane Isop. And then we're going to break for Maghrib, and when we continue, um, we will get both of them in studio with us again, inshallah, and on the line, of course. Now, before the break, does Sauk, Sato, and Samta have a good relationship? I'm going to ask Mr. Stinkham to start off first. Yes, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Uh, there is a good working relationship, or there is a working relationship between uh, Satoa and uh, Saul. You know, I'm not going to comment on Samta. I'm talking about from a, a, a Satoa point of view. Uh, as you know, or as you might not know, you know, I have been sitting on the Saul board, uh, and this is my, my my fourth term on the board. I um, not as chairman of the. Um, uh, of of Satoa, I, I I do go with the protocol team when we look at the uh, for for the last couple of years, and uh, Shane, myself, and the board. I mean, we interact. So yes, I think we've got a good working relationship. Of course, we don't um, agree on every point. Which we is differ fine. points, yeah, um, because they are the regulators, and uh, you know we are the travel fraternity. So well, there will be debates on on various issues, mm. but it's a good, healthy debates and. Uh, but uh, as I can say, you know, the working relationship is there. Okay, Shaheen? I echo the sentiment that Sadiq has just um, indicated. The working relationship is there. The unfortunate thing is that, uh, you know, individually certain um, operators will obviously feel differently. They'll have their own mindsets. But, uh, you know, on a globular pro- process, I think um, that there is a, uh, a very good working relationship. People understand the processes and the rules around Hajj. And, uh, you know, we, we don't, we've improved over the years. There's been significant, uh, you know, distresses in the past. But, alhamdulillah, we have 
improved uh, tremendously. Alhamdulillah. Shaheen, um, you know, this, this question is being, this person has been quite adamant, you know, asking me to please ask my question. And, and I think that you have spoken about this. Um, you've mentioned the fact, you know, the importance of, of being a little bit more involved with the, the, the um, Saudi Hajj ministry to assist with the Umrah industry. You have touched on that. But do you also feel, you know, that there should be, there's a need for more executive powers that are needed in order to sort of look at criminal prosecution of non-compliant operators? Well, certainly there is. And, um, you know, we can definitely do that. The problem that we face with is that uh, if you sit with a situation in Hajj, for example, um, you know, the last non-compliant process that we had uh, was uh, an affair that took place about five years ago. Um, you know, when you start looking at the prosecuting process, it becomes very difficult when um, witnesses or when uh, the people affected um, decide that they don't want to go forward with prosecution and they don't want to go to court. I mean, we were on the doorsteps of a court with mm-hmm. a previous, um, you know, errant Hajj operator, and uh, we were told that uh, the witnesses or the, the, the aggrieved parties had decided to withdraw. So from that perspective, one sits there and you ask yourself, you know, do you understand your rights as a consumer? Um, I'm talking now only from a Hajj point of view, and, and it can also be, you know, replicated in Umrah. Uh, why is it that the accreditation is granted to Hujjaj and no quotas are given to the Hajj operator? It's because you have the value and you have the power as the Hajji to determine which operator you want to use based on price, based on service, in terms of that accredited group of operators that you have. Now, when you understand that and you understand your rights and you understand your powers, it makes life easier for you to determine what product you want to utilize or what product you want to buy. If you don't have that and people force things down upon you, it is almost as if you are being dictated to and there's a gauntlet put to you and a gun put to your head, you either accept it or reject it. It's as simple as that. The point that one needs to understand is when you are in a grief party, when you're standing on Arafah and you ask everybody for maaf and you give maaf and everything else, alhamdulillah, great. But in terms of your rights as a consumer for a product that you have purchased that you are not satisfied with, you follow that through to the hilt. At the end of the day, we will sit with our code of conduct and our other documentation to press charges against that Hajj operator to make sure that they remedy with you. And in addition to that, if there are serious breaches of our code of conduct, to find a way that that Hajj operator will not operate in the future, protecting the future Hajjis from coming through and experiencing the same problem. And I know that you've touched on this again, and I think this is just the nature of our people, you know, is that perhaps don't understand at the, at the time when you are explaining certain things. Somebody still wants to also, you know, just want to know that why is it that some um, Umrah operators are still allowed to operate even if they are not IHATA approved? And you spoke about this. Well, that's the problem. The problem is, you know, in, in today's dispensation, every man and, you know, the, the, the proverbial so-called every man in his fleas want to open up an operating company because they see that this is easy money or they see that this is easy access into the kingdom. So they find somebody that they can buy the visas from. They go for a first time or second time or third time as an Mirin or as a Haji, and they now decide that they made contact with the hotelier and they can get rooms at a good price. And that's where your problem stems from. I mean, I was on Umrah last week, and I'm sitting in Makkah, and someone tells me, no, we purchased our rooms from someone who is resident in the kingdom from South Africa, and we got our visas issued through a third party. I sit there and I ask myself the question, how in heaven's name do you circumvent a process that is a government process where the foreign um, you know, company sometimes will 
turn a blind eye. The IATA operator in South Africa turns a blind eye, issues the visa, all for the sake of a few rand. We need to question ourselves on the ethics of what we want to do. Mm. No, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, and somebody's asking, and again, I know you've touched on this, you know, and, and even Mr. Stink, I also spoke about the code of conduct, etc. And I think a lot of people just want us to delve a little bit more into that in terms of what is it that the code of conduct, you know, stipulates, you know, for, for, for Umrah operators and that. But I want to go. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Welcome back to Burning Issue. We continue to unpack the latest challenges in the Umrah industry and we are discussing the renewed calls for Saul to regulate the Umrah sector in light of the Fazila Malik Unyuhat saga. As mentioned today on air, the amount owed to disgruntled clients and money lenders has now reached 4 million rand in legal action and legal action at least has been taken and also... Uh, again, it begs the question, why are Umrah uh, operators allowed to take people's heart and money and uh, not uh, be held accountable when things go wrong? Still with me in studio, I've got this at Extend, come, uh, the chairperson of Satoa. Uh, we have invited Samta as well, but they declined uh, to comment. And then also we've got Shaheen Esop of uh, Saouka as well. Uh, with regards to the Fazila Malik saga, somebody SMS me from 4646. It says, why can't uh, the booking... Why?" Let me just get this quickly. So, uh, why can't she make the booking so that we can go? It's not about the money that matters to us, but the Umrah, um, according to 4046, according to Fazila, she says there's money at the airlines that, uh, and there's money at the hotels. So why hasn't she made alternative arrangements to send us for Umrah? Um, and that comes from 4646. It's a developing story. Um, we obviously get into that um, uh, during the course of this evening and then also as things uh, happen now um Okay, that was just another one that came in. But before uh, before that, in fact, I've got Shaheen Esop um, from Saluk uh, back online with us. And uh, Shaheen, assalamu alaikum. Shukran so much for, for availing yourself again. I'm going to give you about uh, five to seven minutes just to sort of go. And, and I don't want to touch on everything else that we've spoken about uh, in the beginning of the program. But uh, just for, for, for some of the um, potential Mu'adamirin or Hujaj, you know, just from your side, you know, the do's and don'ts and to share some advice um, uh, for, with or for them. I think, uh, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Jazakallah, once again, the most important, I think, from my perspective is that Mu'tamir must not, must not be gullible insofar as, you know, khutkwap packages, because nine out of ten times khutkwap is dirkwap. We've got to be cautious about the situation. We've got to ensure that the operator that we are selecting that is going to take us, um, you know, for Umrah, is an accredited operator. Check with Saul, check with Satawa, check with Samta. They'll be able to tell you whether this operator is accredited or not. At the end of the day, it's imperative that one does so because if there is any claim back, the Ministry of Hajj will not entertain a query or a claim against uh, any operator that is not an accredited operator. So Mutamirin must look after themselves and protect themselves in this regard because we want to find a way and we're going to find a way to ensure that we do not have situations that we've had in the past and we try to minimize as best we can to ensure that the regulated operators are the ones that are supposed to operate within the space. 
Mm. Um, I want to also just, uh, you know, somebody uh, WhatsApp me from 5475 directed at you, um, uh, Shaheen. It says, Asalaamu Alaikum. The representative of Sauk, um, if you could uh, just uh, uh, get clarity on this as well, it says, um, according to his understanding, you do not get a registered Umrah operator. You do get a registered Hajj operator, yes, but not for Umrah. And then, secondly, the, the registered operators, um, as Sauk calls it, the people who have more problems with them, like uh, what just happened with the lady for they are only there to make money out of everything. You know, I think there's a misunderstanding. There are registered Umrah operators, and it's those operators that have basically gone and run the gauntlet, basically become IATA operators. They've gone and put down 200,000 rials as a guarantee in the kingdom. They've signed a memorandum of understanding with the um, you know, authorities and with the um, company in country in Saudi Arabia. They source the hotels, they source the necessary, and they then have a username and password to issue a visa. Okay? Mm-hmm. If you go to a person or an operator that is not an accredited operator by the Ministry of Hajj and Umrah, you're not going to find that that person issues your visa. That visa has got to be done by a third party or a fourth party. And then it just starts adding up layers to the cost of your package for Umrah. We need to understand the process. We need to, you know, people must just get away from this mindset that everybody is out there to take them for a ride. If a person is prepared to put his or her money down as an IATA operator, which costs a lot of money, as a guarantee in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, guarantees with hotels, guarantees with uh, operators, um, or shall I say airline companies, then that operator is eligible to put a markup on his or her package in order to sell it to you as a user. You can then decide if I want to go to operator A, operator B, operator C, I'll decide which is going to be more beneficial for me. Exactly in the same way that we deal with Hajj. The difference in Hajj and Umrah, we don't allow non-accredited operators to operate in this process. There is no such thing. Because once the Hajj is accredited, the Hajj has to basically select an operator from our system. That Hajj can't go to anybody outside of the system. Umrah is obviously different, but we will get to that electronic um, you know, process eventually. Right now, the key is to regulate the Umrah operators in order to ensure safety and more tranquil transfer of people south to north, north to south, to enjoy their Umrah in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Mm. Shaheen, just before I let you go, I've got about three minutes left. And of course, uh, I'm sure you anticipated the big question to also come in that uh, somehow during the course of the program, people wanted to know, you know, uh, in terms of this year's Hajj, you know, the, in terms of the list, when can they expect that? Inshallah, the uh, protocol delegation leaves this week to uh, go and meet with the Ministry of Hajj and Umrah, our period for uh, meeting with them and the affiliates and all the necessary role players in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia happens between this weekend and the end of the month. And uh, once we are there and we know what our quota is going to be and what the structures are going to be in terms of the numbers, we will then be able to come back and accredit, uh, you know, put out an accredited list once the external verification is complete. That external verification, inshallah, is currently ongoing. And uh, we hope by the time we return, it will be complete. The reason why it is not being done during this period is because there's a tremendous amount of people that have probably traveled abroad or traveled around that don't have access to computers, that don't have access to go and accept their accreditation, and I think it would be prejudicial to them. 
you know, in order for us to release it prematurely rather than after we meet with the uh, Ministry of Hajj and the various affiliates in the kingdom. Inshallah. So we could safely say by second week of January or something, we, we can get some feedback I from you. I think you're being presumptuous here, Gulam. <laughs> Let us not put dates on this, please. You're a typical journalist and I know you for a long time. <laughs> Shukran so much, I appreciate your time. <laughs> Lovely talking to you. As, as always. Once, once again, and if Sadiq is still in studio, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum salam, Shaheen. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Welcome back uh, to Burning Issue on Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Our lines are open on 021-442-3530-47913. We are basically talking about, you know, the, the latest challenges in the Umrah industry. And in studio with me, I've got the chief person of Satawa Sadiq's TN Camp. We also spoke to Shaheen Esop uh, just before the break. We wrapped up with him. Now, um, uh, Mr. Stian Camp, well, there was a message that came in that was directed at you, and I thought I will, I will you know, um, direct the message to you if I can there's such a lot of questions that came through um, let's just see oh here we go uh, it says uh, let's see um, somebody spoke about the two weeks for, for Umrah yes. and they're saying um, is it more expensive to have sh- shorter visits as opposed to longer visits because another person 6129 says um, it's not true all packages are advertised as two weeks so how can you ask for more days if you travel in a group well it depends what you want if, if you want two weeks most groups take two weeks but if you want to extend your stays of course it's open if you're prepared to pay the extra cost even, even if you go in a group even if you go in a group, no so, problem. So those who booked for two weeks would come home, and you that have booked for three or four weeks, you can stay. extend your stay uh, for a further up to thirty days, as long as if it, it doesn't go over the thirty days because your visa is only valid for thirty days. Mm. So you can extend your stay for a further two weeks, but mm. that of course must be you know sorted out at home before you before you leave, so that you are booked for that particular period. You can stay on a further two weeks, one week, whatever you want. And then make your way home after that. Mm. Okay. And uh, when you talk about the 30 days and then you say you can extend it, because I know of people that went for six weeks, you know, for Umrah. Um, uh, in fact, somebody went for the month of Ramadan and then they stayed an extra two weeks or went one week before and stayed another week. How does that then work? If That's visa? not permissible. You can, the visa is valid for 30 days and you can only stay for, the t- for 30 days. So then how did that If happen? you stay over 30 days, you're taking a charge. And you can get to the, to the airport. Uh, they can lock you up, they can fine you 10,000 real, they can do all sorts of things. Uh, if you go over the 30 days or the validity of the visa, uh, you are running a risk because you're in non-compliance with the visa. Mm. And of course, the Omara company will also be, be, um, be penalized. Mm. Uh, somebody also messaged me wanting to know, says, um, it's a Hajj question, but um, hoping that we can squeeze it in. It says, uh, working in the tourism industry for many years now in South Africa, being crime-infested yet, we find millions of tourists traveling to South Africa without an agency or a tour guide, but we travel to the safest place for a Muslim, and then we have to travel with agents. You don't have to nowadays. You can do your own booking on the system, issue your own visa. Um, uh, the country has opened quite a bit. But remember, in Saudi Arabia, we're dealing with millions of people. You're dealing mainly with big groups. And uh, the ministry, 
um, prefers to work with groups of people or, or rather than individuals. But as it is at the moment, uh, the Omara system had been changed. And the one change that they brought in is that uh, you can book your, your, your own uh, uh, Omara trip. Mm. Um, issue your own visa and, and that's it If you are computer savvy If you are travel savvy You can do that on your own But what, what are the pros and cons Of doing something like that? Of course if you book with a travel agent You, you come with, with all the guarantees that, that, that it might have In other words If there are any issues with the flight You know where you can get to Any issues with the hotels You know where you can get to uh, in issue with a visa, you know, you can keep responsible. If you do things on your own, A, you need to understand you're going to be on your own. It's more costly. Um, you know, you have choice of what you're wanting to do. So uh, it's really up to the individual. In terms of ratio, how many how many um, situations um, that you are aware of where people actually say, you know what, we're doing this on our own versus going, um, you know, with an agent? I take a guess probably 20% do it on their own. Okay, but it's possible. It's yeah, possible. of course it oh, okay, is possible. Cool. My lines are open and 0 one four four two three five three zero four seven nine one three, and then also an 0722380712. Um, uh, this one from four double zero six. It says we went with a uh, mentioning the name again. Yeah, with a travel agency in September who sold us a full package, and they absorbed the new visa fee of one thousand two hundred jan. Is that the fee for for Umrah? No, no, the fee is much more at the moment. Okay. Well, roundabout? Well, you could come up with about 3,000 rand. Okay. But, uh, but uh, um, applying as a, as a returning, that, that, that was waived, right? Yes, that's right. Oh, okay, cool. Um, Okay, no, this one was for this one was for Sauk. Um, we spoke about that. We spoke about the cost that was in there, and then there was another one that says um, from one three or four. Um, why many more people is going on Umrah is because of the exorbitant charges for Hajj that they put on the list, etc. Okay, that's something that was also directed for Sauk. But also Shaheen had spoken about this. Um, they mentioned mentioned the Stakala uh, incident. He's not there to defend himself. Please zero double one five. Actually, he just used it as a reference. He did not mention the case. He didn't speak about the case. He was literally just saying that we had a situation like that before as well, which, you know what, to paint a picture is probably um, uh, okay to do so, I think. Um, now, this one was also with one of the with one of the points that I had jotted down for you, Mr. Campus was obviously one of the starting things that came from the interview with Fazila Malik, just to use it as a reference again, is that uh, the clients did not have contracts. And uh, Fazila said that they were given quotes, and if they accepted the quotes, uh, she proceeded with the booking. Now, how is it that, you know, in today's day and age, basically, an operator does not give a client a contract? What protection is there for that client and for the travel operator? Well, let me say that uh, the, the issue of contracts is something that's been discussed uh, uh, for quite a long time. And uh, as I said uh, at a public forum now the other day, we need to get serious about these things um, in terms of operators and in terms of the prospective Mu'atamirin. Uh, I think it's something that we need to insist on, something that we need to put in place. Generally, because of the amount of people that goes on Umrah, uh, operators tend to give people an itinerary, they'll stamp it, they'll sign it, they'll say, this is your itinerary. But it doesn't cover the ins and outs of, of a contract. For Hajj, uh, it is fairly tight. Hajj, there's a definite contract in place with all the 
the disclaimers and all the qualifications and the rules and the regulations in it. Uh, Umrah, not quite so, and I think it's something that uh, the travel fraternity uh, has to give more attention to. Now, also, and, and I'm glad that you're also alluding to that, Mr. Stinkham, because I know Shaheen said that it's been like that for the past five years where you guys have been talking about it to put stricter measures and stuff in place. But five years is a long time. Should that not be a priority for you guys? Well, let me say that, uh, as I said, you know, we need to get more serious about that. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Zienkamp, uh, okay, let's leave it at that. 3846 is um, absolutely against the idea of so getting involved with the Umrah industry. Soon you would be um, charged uh, as a Mu'tamirin another 1,500 rand for subscription going on Umrah. Another extra cost that comes from Nizam from 3846. Got your message. I appreciate that. Um, Fazila Malik is not in studio, but let's bef- before I get into more of the other questions that came our way, let's see who's on the line. And I'm going to ask you, please do not mention any travel operator if you want to explain um you know your situation that you've had i don't have a problem with that okay you're welcome to ask mr stinkham questions i don't have a problem with that either but please let us not um you know mention any travel agent's name at this point in time let's use on the line voice of the case salam alaikum alaikum salam how are you i'm good alhamdulillah your question my question is i don't know if you people are aware or mr stinkham is aware nowadays there's there's an app on the market uh, where you can do your booking uh, internationally. Okay. Uh, that is hotel accommodation, flights, etc., etc., via the app. And if you do it via the app, the, 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 the uh, platform guarantees, well, not it say, but, you know, the company. Okay, I'm, I'm, using you, I'm losing you there for a minute. Um, oh, do, do you know what's the name of the app? Ah, I think we've lost that uh, call. You're can, uh, can I cl- clarify that? No, okay. We've had this on the program about two months, three months ago. The Umrah system had been changed this year. So, A, you get the B2B system, you know, the business to business, and that is where you come to an operator. Okay. And then you get the B2C system, the business to customer. And that is where the customer can register on TripShop, Umarami, and do their own arrangement. I have mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there is an app, you know, if people want to explore and just play. Yes, of course there is. It. It's it, and it's the first year that they've implemented that. Oh, okay. So you might still find issues around that as well. Well, when we spoke when the Umrah season opened, it wasn't available for South Africa yet. Uh, perhaps it's working a bit better at the moment. Okay. Um, another one. Uh, well, one is a comment, and then one is a question. Let's just see. Uh, okay, let's just try the call again. Voice of the Cape, hello. Hello. Sorry, I lost you there for a minute. You were saying? Yeah, no, I was saying there is an app on the market nowadays. Yes. Where you can book hotel accommodation internationally. It's been in South Africa for the last two to three months, max. Okay. Uh, This thing apparently is taking a storm in America and the rest of the world. Now, this company guarantees if you can find... Mm-mm. We are losing uh, co- contact with him there, but I know that uh, Mr. Sinkamp, you know, you've, you've alluded to that, so that's fine. Um, um, from uh, 2858, it says, Sound looks very nice after the Hajjis. In 2015, everybody went, um, uh, wanted to be an agent before uh, booking. Also, if that agent is registered. Um, then also, question is, Always, why does people uh, who haven't been for Hajj went to bad mouth Sauk? That comes from 2858. Uh, 258. That's the number. Um, this one says, 
uh, I was affected by the new heights issue. Sauk was uh, wasn't, but but the thing is, this person saying the Sauk wasn't very helpful. But you and I spoke of of ears. Well, it's like, what do you want us to do if you haven't followed the process in terms of going through an accredited or licensed IHATA approved operator? You know, then this your hands are basically tied. Is what you said. Yes, uh, in, in, in terms of, of, again, you know, when we're talking about uh, operators not accredited, remember in, in this country there's been many, many jamas, and especially in Cape Town, uh, who's been doing this service for the community very, very successfully. Uh, unfortunately, there had been of late, uh, you know, cases where, where these things are happening. But in general, I think we've had, you know, good service to the industry for a long time. Mm. Um, so the so, so the guy called back and he said that it is actually cheaper going via the app and that it's, it's not something that I can speak about because I haven't checked it. But you you, you were aware of it um, from Sotawa side. You guys were aware of the apps and stuff, but it wasn't fully functional at the time you mentioned. No, it. no, 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 not yet. Okay. Um, I did my diligence before paying over any money. Um, I prefer to remain anonymous. It comes from 0599. No problem. Shukran so much for that. There was another one that, that, that surfaced... Um, Imam, Imam something, uh, can't come to the name right now, but also surfaced like as early as this morning. Like, I woke up and at 25 to um, 6 after my power nap, I was like, okay, so here's another one that came through. But like I said, I don't want to mention anybody's names and I prefer prefer to keep it that way. Um, we, we touched on that one. That was also for Saug. Sorry, you must give me, forgive me. I'm going through a lot of messages and I'm just trying to figure no out. Okay, we, we've touched on certain things. Here's another one. It says, why are some agents charging 14,000 Rand, for example, for two weeks? Um, and some will charge 25,000 Rand for two weeks. Well, it in, depends entirely which period you're going, which hotel you're using, which services you're offering, which airline you're traveling, how early you booked the group. It, you know, it, there's a lot of factors involved. Okay. What, what, what takes up the, the bulk of the money? Your airline is quite costly nowadays. Your airline and your visa, if you go for an economy hotel, uh, it's a smaller part of the package. Mm. And then also with regards to, you know, like some agents, and, and I know I saw, I saw it around here, they, there are packages that's advertised. You know, you'll, you'll stay in a five-star hotel. Um, you get into the kingdom and it's not like that. What is, what is the recourse? What happens now? Well, that's exactly why you should book through an accredited agent. If you have been uh, given a contract and you get to the kingdom and you don't find what you have as per your contract or as per your itinerary, you can go and complain to the, to the ministry. And the ministry will hold the Saudi operator who issued the visa responsible. That is what will happen. Where do they find them? Well, the numbers are all over the kingdom where you can contact the ministry. Okay. Um, another one from zero from one zero one zero one eight. Um, do you have do you have special uh, prices for pensioners? <laughs> Inshallah, you know every every operator always looks uh, with a kind heart to pensioners. But nowadays, airlines and hotels and so on, you know, they don't give anything special for pensioners. Mm. Well, and, and, and you spoke about this from 7948, and I find that this happens quite often is that people tune in, you know, quite late into the program, and then the question has been answered, and they just feel that I'm not answering the question again. But just very quickly to answer uh, 7948, why is it that visas are granted for 30 days, but the Mortamerines the, the only go for two weeks? 
The validity of any visa nowadays is 30 days. Mu'atamirin goes for two weeks because of their choice. But they can go for 30 days. They can go up to 30 days. They don't have to go for two weeks. They can go up to 30 days. If they go on two weeks, it's because they choose a particular package that they can afford. Uh, maybe they've only got uh, leave for two weeks. But if you want to stay for 30 days, you are most welcome to do that if you pay the cost. Mm. Uh, somebody says you are able to book online uh, for Umrah. I know about that. No agent involved. You'll also be able to fetch your visa in Pretoria yourself. Uh, comes from 8021 sharing comments around that. Sorry, um, there's, no more, there's no more Umrah visa to be fetched in Pretoria. It's all e-visas. Is it e-visas now? Yeah, so that oh, comment nice. is wrong. Oh, okay. Shukran. I didn't know about that. Shukran so much um, uh, for that. Then from 4387 it says, what is the reason they charge us per person and not per room? Well, if you have charged per room, I mean, it's basically divided, so it's six of the other, half a dozen of the other, so it's the same thing. <laughs> Mr. Zierkamp is not the same thing. <laughs> Listen, if you, if, 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 if you are two people mm-hmm. and you buy the room, uh, you know, I divide it by two. It's the same thing. Let's see, voice of the case, Salaam Alaikum. Walaikum salam, brother Gulam. Um, just, just a quick call in. I've, I've been listening to your show, and um, and your guests have constantly referred to choosing operators that are accredited. Now, I've been one of, or I am one of the aggrieved mutamirin uh, that had booked with with New Heights Travel, and. Um, when I did my due diligence, I, I noticed that this operator had in fact been IATA approved and is a member of SEMTA. And, uh, and yet we still had this problem. So, so who exactly is it that these operators are meant to be accredited with in order, to us, for, in order for us to find more comfort in working with them? Okay, shukran. I'll ask Mr. Senkamp. You can listen on the radio. I'll ask Mr. Senkamp to, re- uh, to respond to you, inshallah. You need to be registered with the, uh, with the uh, Minister of Hajj and Umrah. In order to be registered with the Minister of Hajj and Umrah, you need to be an IATA accredited company. So, there's many IATA accredited companies out there, but they are not registered Umrah operators. Hmm. So you need to check whether the company is actually registered with the Ministry of Hajj and Umrah. Okay. And you'll find it on the Ministry's website. Whoever is registered with the Ministry, you'll find it on their website. We need to go for some commercial news. On the other side, the lines are still open. On 021-442-3530-47913 is my SMS line. And then my WhatsApp is going absolutely crazy on 072-238-071. Uh, let me get that right. So 72 Two three eight zero seven one two. Why is it? And I've noticed this a trend when it when it comes to comments and questions about SAUG's accreditation fees. Ripoff is carefully scrutinized and avoided. That's absolutely nonsense. I will read the question as it comes in when it's relevant for us to pose that question. VOC has always been at the forefront when it comes to bringing your Hajj or Umrah news. We bring it to you as it is. Mr. Sienkamp can say how many times he was rolled, not over the coals, but we had to ask the hard questions, as is the case with Shaheen Esop, as it is. But that doesn't necessarily mean that when we're talking about Umrah, for example, that we've got to keep the focus on Hajj for argument's sake. I'm just using that as an example. That is why at the end of my discussion with Shaheen, I asked him, 
What about the, the first accredited list? When it comes to these questions, we will ask it, but we also need to remain relevant. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Welcome back. It's, we've got about, uh, I would say about 12 minutes left. I'm going to take my 10 minutes commercial. I'm going to take that at two minutes to eight, uh, two, two minutes to nine. So that will give us enough time uninterrupted to go through some of these things um, that came our way. And again, some of the questions has been asked. It has been answered as well. Um, just very quickly. I, I, let me just also put it out there. Although Mr. Stenkamp is the chairperson of uh, Satawa, he's also a member of Sauk. So uh, we will ask whatever relevant questions to him. So the comment that I made before the break, you wanted to, to, to latch on that very quickly about uh, we kind of shy away from the ripoffs, etc. Listen, we've got to talk what is right. And uh, we'll say it as it is. And if there's any question uh, coming up where, where people feel aggrieved, uh, they must put it to us. And inshallah, you know, we will help where we can. So another one from 6129 It says uh, why have a package for two weeks That costs 23,000 Rand uh, If you're going for 30 days it will cost you About 40,000 Rand it doesn't make sense To me why not just go back to the 30 days Umrah Again it comes back to affordability And uh, nowadays people don't have That much leave so it's, it's Really up to the consumer so it's a consumer and your pocket issue. Yes. Um, how long in advance can I book a ticket for Umrah? I think we have uh, too much Hajj and Umrah agents in South Africa as it is. Generally, you can book a ticket up to 11 months uh, in advance. The airlines open up the uh, system for uh, anything up to a year and you can do that. I hope that answers your question. Is it true that some of the Satawa members um, are also uh, Umrah and Hajj tour operators? And is that not a conflict of interest? Well, as a Satawa member, you're really a Hajj operator, and most of the Hajj operators do Umrah, so I don't know where the conflict comes. Okay, um, just very quickly, 1304, it says, if I book with an agent on a two-week package, but the visas, okay, you've touched on that already, and there was another question that came through. Um, somebody says that they're leaving for Umrah on the 22nd of January, but for the first time, I uh, heard also that you need to have medical insurance. Yes, that was uh, only um, put into place last week. So there's a new medical insurance that the Saudi authorities are asking for. It's 189 real per person. Um, uh, and there's a full policy that will kick in once you get into the kingdom. And that's a rule from the, 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 the Saudi ministry. We're not sure whether this is going to be applied for Hajj as well, but uh, certainly they're bringing it in formula. And it's compulsory? It will be compulsory. And it's like a medical aid for those who... It's a medical insurance. In other words, it will cover certain things. Uh, you know, be easy in life if you get ill. Okay. Um... I, I don't know if I... This one wants to know from 1018, it says, um, how many injections should one have? For uh, two, two injections compulsory at the moment, yellow fever and meningitis. Those are the compulsory injections that you require. And that's at your cost? That's at, at your own cost. Okay. Um, I've been for Hajj and um, I have been for Hajj and registered again. Will I be able to go for Hajj again because I registered again when I came from Hajj? Well, at the moment, the list uh, for first-timers is, is still long. So currently... Uh, uh, if you're a first time, it'd be okay. As a repeat Aji, there just isn't enough quota to give to repeat Aji's at the moment. Now, this one, oh, uh, 8021 says, Gulam, you are so selfish. Please explain the online booking. That is not clear to many. Explain to people how easy bookings, um, 
how easy bookings are getting. Very soon also online booking for Hujaj. Um, yeah. I, I, a, a quick explanation. Uh, there are various uh, applications you can go to. Tripshop dot com umrami.com you can go on to those uh, uh, websites you can register you can log in register and then you can proceed uh, to book your airline ticket your hotel um, you know pay for your travel insurance pay for your transport and after all of those things are paid online uh, that is when uh, you'll be able to pay for your visa and you can issue a visa mm. now, simple as that if you if you're if you are, are, are quite conversant on the computers and, and okay to travel alone. Mm. Uh, I don't know where the part coming. Don't be selfish because I also get to hear about the app for the first time this evening. Um, then also with, but with also with the app, you look at, there are so many apps for so many things these days. And, and yeah, it does make your life, you know, a little bit easier. But when it comes to things like, you know, applying for the visa or doing everything of the sort. Personally, I would prefer to deal with a human as opposed to, because the, uh, just on the, the word online freaks me out. The, the, the closest thing I get to doing online is probably accessing my emails. You know, so um, you've got to consider the safety aspect of that as well. Well, there are pros and cons to everything. So if you want to do the thing online, you've got to be confident that you know what you're doing. You've got to have a credit card that you've got enough um, funds on or credit in order to issue your or to, or to pay for your hotels and you pay for your transfer and you pay for your um, uh, airline ticket immediately. Uh, remember, if you do anything online, you must pay immediately. You pay the rate on the day. Um, and then uh, you can issue your visa from there. But, uh, of course, it's as you say, you know, you've got to be confident that you can do it yourself. If you make any mistakes, there's no comeback. You know, you're on your own. Do you scrutinize all the Umrah um, operators and Hajj operators packages um, if, uh, uh, to find out whether or not they are in control? Sorry, I don't understand So the that. person is asking the Umrah packages or the Hajj uh, operators packages that they're offering, do you scrutinize that? In terms of Hajj, uh, all operators has, put, has got to put the Hajj uh, packages onto SAUK for uh, for scrutiny, or whatever they do with it, they have a look at it um, to make sure that uh, all the aspects of, uh, of 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 the Hajj is is covered. Um, in terms of 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 Umrah, there's just too many packages out there, and uh, we look at the operators rather than that what they offer. Okay, now um, somebody just wanted you to to give a little bit more clarity with regards to prospects of Hujaj that are being um, charged one thousand five hundred rand, or they won't be accredited and not allowed to go um, on Hajj through Sauk. Well, the way the system works, you know, you've got to register. Once you register, you've got to pay your registration fee, and uh, you've got five days to pay your registration fee. Uh, Inshallah, Taala, once you get accredited, the first thing you have to do is to pay your uh, accreditation fee, whatever the fee may be this year, you pay your accreditation fee and that puts you on the system and that's the way the system works. So it's, you know, one, when you work with computers, when you work with IT systems, there are certain things in place. So if you don't do A, you can't proceed to B. Mm. So the first part is that when you get accredited, first of all, you need to accept your accreditation. All right, that's the first thing. Then secondly, you must pay your accreditation fee and then you can move on to accepting an, uh, an accredited operator. So 
that is the series of events that you must follow. So once you accept your, uh, you, you can't pay your fee if you don't accept your hajj. You can't accept or operate if you don't pay your fee. And that's the way the system is devised. So mm. it's the way the system works at the moment. And we all understand that you've got to pay your fees. Is 1,500 though, um, you know, do you consider that reasonable? In this day and age, given the cost involved, I think it's a reasonable cost. Nine? And I, I know that, you know, there <laughs> will be various disagreements <laughs> with it, but I think it's a reasonable cost. And inshallah ta'ala, uh, I think we we have to work and look at ways and means to get costs down. Uh, but as it stands at the moment, uh, those are the costs involved. Mr. Sinkam, we've got about five minutes left before we wrap it up. How does, and I, I know you spoke about this earlier as, as well, but just for those who, who also joined us a little bit later, is there any way that Satawa can assist the people who are affected by um, the New Heights saga? Um, that comes from 9768. Well, from the tourist point of view, first of all, we can be proactive and we can tell people what they should prevent going into the future. That's the first way how we can prevent, um, you know, future hujjahs from uh, from making sure that, uh, you know, they protect themselves. Um, as we said, you know, in terms of a contract, make sure that you do that and make sure that you get a contract before you put down any monies. Secondly, with regards to new ads, you know, I make dua that inshallah ta'ala that, you know, Fazila Malik can sort out her issues and, uh, you know, certainly we speak to her and see inshallah where she can assist people and, and make sure, not assist people, but that she do the right thing and uh, when the monies become available, refund people. Um, from what we've heard and, you know, she hasn't sh- shied away from radio stations and so on and talking on the matter. She's absolutely committed to uh, to getting the funds back. So inshallah ta'ala we can make dua that she gets those funds back and uh, you know repay people. Mm. Now operators, if you look at that, you know, are they aware of the Consumer Protection Act? I think, uh, you know, operators know the words. Um, some of them know a little bit about it, but uh, uh, you know, if you ask me every single thing of the act, I don't think so. Mm. Now, do you think, Mr. Mr. Sinkamp, just before we need to wrap it up, and I'm going to see if I can squeeze in another two more comments that came through on our WhatsApp line, but uh, you know, and you spoke about, you know, having to prioritize the contracts stating, um, you know, standard policies and operating procedures and stuff. Um, is there any way that you can sort of say, listen, give us another two years to finalize this thing? Or is it just something that, you know, that will surface when it needs to needs to surface? Certainly, you know, what I can commit to you tonight is to go back to the travel fraternity and uh, put the plan together. That's what I can at, at least commit to. Inshallah. And, and when can we expect feedback? Inshallah, ta'ala, you know, we will give you feedback soon. Inshallah. So we're going to go through the festive season and so by... The, what, the 2nd of January? La, 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 la. <laughs> Not possible. <laughs> Just seeing if I can squeeze something. Then it's Hajj time. Yeah, yeah. No, people are saying that this is a very, very serious matter. And of course it is a serious yes. matter. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's people's hard-earned money. You know, we think about the people that has been saving for many years, you know, selling their kusistas and their samosas and everything else. And and I think that uh, people like uh, Mr. Siengam and Shaheen, they are not oblivious of that. But they can, of course, only do that is with they can only do with what they have in a sense uh, Gulam, our hearts goes out for people who saved many years embark on this journey and not getting away I mean really it must be one of the, the most terrible things to go through 
So inshallah ta'ala, you know, we take this commitment very seriously and uh, uh, it's as you say, you know, I think something of a contract, we need to work on some sort of a standard contract and see how quick we can implement that. Great stuff. I'm going to have to leave it there. Uh, but before we go, just one more question that came in. It says, um, it was said that uh, after every five years you can go for Hajj again. Um, does, uh, is it, does the status quo remain or has it changed? After every five years is a Saudi rule for Saudis. It's not for international. It's not, it's not for people outside Saudi. So that rule has never been in South Africa, and I think there's confusion with yeah. regards to that. So you either a first time or you repeat. Whether you've gone for Hajj 50 years ago, you still repeat Hajj. Your Hajj didn't expire. Okay. So first time or you repeat Hajj, there's no such thing of five years in South Africa. Great stuff. Mr. Sienkam, shukran so much for your time this evening. It's been wonderful having you in the studio. Barakallah for having me. Inshallah ta'ala, we make dua that uh, this uh, Omrah season of December goes smooth, inshallah ta'ala, and that, uh, you you know, as Shane indicated, once we come from the kingdom, you know, sometime, inshallah ta'ala, for those people who's going to get accreditation, barakallah fi, and for those who's waiting, inshallah, we make dua. Uh, that Allah Ta'ala grant us all the opportunity for Hajj to inshallah Ta'ala. I mean, inshallah, may Allah accept uh, all your du'as listening to us right now. If you've made Amen. near to, to, to go on Umrah or to perform your Hajj, inshallah, may Allah accept, inshallah. Um, from myself, Gulam Fakir, Shah Jacobs, Tasnim Adams, and everybody else who put the program together, remember the views and opinions expressed, not necessarily that, the voice of the Cape, its management or staff. Until we speak again on Saturday morning, have an absolutely fantastic evening. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.